feel like I need to do something. And um, I feel like uh, the Lord is saying it's a new season. And I feel like the Lord is saying to get into this new season, we need to strip away some of the, uh, the hardness that's come upon us, to peel back the stuff that is a bit to allow the Lord to tenderly nurture the new stuff he wants. And yesterday I was doing a bit of gardening and I was cutting away some of the dead stuff, but I should have done that before. <laughs> I should have done that probably in the autumn time. And I feel like the Lord's saying uh, with us this morning as well, some of the stuff that should have, been de- should have been cut away in the past season, we can still do it now. So do it today. Do it today. Cut away the dead stuff in our own life. Cut away the hard stuff, the brambles. Cut it away today. It's not too late because the Lord wants to prepare us for a new season, a new season where he's just going to draw close so, so tenderly and nurture the new things, maybe stuff that we've never even seen before. He's going to nurture. He's going to nurture it. But I feel like he wants to do some work in us before that, and he wants to declare that the winter is over. The winter and Holy Spirit, we just say as a people, now will you come and cut away the stuff of the last season, the dead stuff of the last season where there is no longer life, would you just cut it away in our own lives and over this church? Cut it right back. We give you permission, Holy Spirit. Calm, Holy Spirit. Just increase, have your way. Maybe just between you and the Lord right now, just ask him what it is You've got to let him cut away. And maybe some of us need to repent that we've held it for too long. But I just encourage us all, give him permission this morning. Set us free. Trim us right back. And I just see a freedom coming. As the dead stuff, the weighty stuff passes away now. I see freedom coming. Freedom. Nurture the stuff in us, Lord, that you are breathing life on. Increase our faith. Blow, Spirit of God. Calm blow in this place. Increase, increase the wind of your spirit. Blow in this place. Blow in this place. Bring newness of life. Newness of life. Yeah, so we declare... It's a new season. Springtime has arrived. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. More of you. Yeah, let's just sing.
sing in the spirit for a little bit, just welcome more of him to, to breathe new life into us, to resurrection life. I feel like faith is what has come under attack where brambles and stuff has tried to wrap around our faith and we just wanna say no more. We say no more. We wanna be people who are filled with faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, so Holy Spirit, come and breathe afresh faith into this church, into us as individuals. Breathe faith into us. Trust in you, trust in your promises, trusting in who you say you are. Give us eyes that are fixed on you, that don't look to the left or the right, but just keep our eyes fixed on you, full of faith, full of knowing who you are and full of trusting who you are. Nurture that faith, Lord. Yeah, and I feel like some of you, the, the faith is like a tiny little sapling that feels quite delicate. And the Lord just wants to say, just come away with me. Just grab me by my hand and I will show you that you can trust me. Just take me by the hand. Let me nurture your faith again. And if that is you, just reach out your hand to Jesus. You can trust him and allow him to nurture that faith in you again. Yes, Lord, just continue what you've started now. And as we read your word and listen to James preach, yeah, just give us the, the courage to let go of stuff and courage to trust you and have faith in you again. Sorry, I don't usually use my phone. I wish I brought my passion with me. As I was standing there, just this came to me, and I believe that it sums up what Lou is saying, and I believe that God wants it released over us from his word. It's from Song of Songs 2 in the Passion Translation. Arise, my dearest. Hurry, my darling. Come away with me. I have come, as you have asked, to draw you to my heart and lead you out. For now is the time, my beautiful one, the season has changed. The bondage of your barren winter has ended and the season of hiding is over and gone. The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers. The season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived. I hear the cooing of doves in our land, filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? And I really believe that's for us. So if you don't mind, I'm going to say, Chanctonbury Church, can you, can we not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around us? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers, there is change in the air. Arise, my beauty, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. This is the word of the Lord. I feel like we need to just give a shout or a clap or something just to cheer on. Come on. Oh, come on. Yeah, come on. Amen, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Felicity.
Wow, what a beautiful, beautiful word that was. I was like, oh, yeah, let's come away with him. Uh, The reading today is taken from Luke 5, and it's verse 17 to 26. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him in on his mat through tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. And we want to claim that we're going to say the same as well. We are going to see remarkable things because Jesus is amongst us. You're going to need to have a finger in Daniel chapter 7 for the next few minutes, which we're going to turn to in a moment. Just hold that, and then we'll get into today. Oh, Father, we just so love to be in your presence. Overwhelmed, Lord, at your goodness. We give you all the glory. I pray, Jesus, come and teach us now. Teach us now, we pray. Amen. I think there's somebody here who's not right with God. I don't know if you've never surrendered your heart to him or whether you actually need to have a fresh start. And I'm going to talk for a few minutes, but at the end, I think you need to stand up in front of everybody, not for us, but to the Lord. So I just want to say this to you now. Just, I think the Holy Spirit is just touching your heart, and you need to put things right with God. And he's going to want you to do that, not by sharing your dirty laundry, but just by not being ashamed of him anymore and standing for him. So, I just want to speak to you now and just say, today is the day. 
don't waste any time. Let's not waste our lives. Yeah. I want to invite you on a journey this morning. And we're going to start, well, we're actually going to continue it. It began a week ago, but we're going to take a step forward today. And really, over the next couple of months, we're going to go further and further on this journey, if you're willing. And what we have before us today is one of the most famous miracles of Jesus. The roof gets busted open. Someone who is paralyzed is restored. And amazement fills them all. And Felicity said remarkable things. But the version we had on the screen, which is in, uh, the same one in my Bible, says everyone was like, that was strange. That was unbelievable, you know, what was going on. And, um, and the Lord's going to do the same today. Um, a week ago, it felt like the Holy Spirit was ministering into some disappointment stuff. And I know that people's hearts are being touched. Today, the journey I want to invite you on is to journey personally with the heart of Jesus into the supernatural. Did you know that the type of Christianity we live out is twisted out of shape? Did you know that the type of following Jesus... This is not a judgmental statement. I'm just saying, speaking to us as a church. Did you know the type of Christianity we're living out is not what it looks like in the Bible? And this story is a classic example, and we're going to get it time after time after time as we follow Jesus through his journey around Galilee first, then to Jerusalem, and then as he commissions the church. And it's a supernatural journey. And when I say supernatural, what that means is it's far above everything rational and normal and according to the laws of how this world works, according to science. You know, we have just lived through the exaltation of science through the pandemic, where we've had scientist after scientist and statistic after st statistic shown to us for the last two or three years. And what that does is it raises up that this is the rational way the world works. And when you partner that with disappointment and a tough time, it's like, oh yeah, okay. But actually, if we read how Jesus lived, he is living in another dimension. And the dimension is the kingdom of heaven. And what he did was he then brought the kingdom of heaven down so that the, what was normal changed and twisted out of shape to conform to the shape he has in store for the world. I felt also there's someone in here who's got a really long-term, quite serious illness. And I do believe that's going to um, uh, get sorted out today. Remind me to come back to that at the end. But, but what that is, what that is, is when Jesus brings his rule and his reign, and it literally comes and conquers where we live, and where we live changes. Now, I want to invite you on the personal journey because we can come to church and we can go, yeah, 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 that's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some people go, ah, yeah, good word and all of that. And most people will sit there quietly because we're mostly white and mostly English. Um, but, you know, I want to say to us all um, that what needs to shift, and actually for some of us this is for the first time and for some of us this is a restoration, what needs to shift is that we need to 
go on a journey with Jesus into what we call is the supernatural, but it's actually the normal Christian life. The place where stuff which isn't normal happens because we're about Jesus' business rather than our own business. And that's the journey he's inviting you on. And I say, I want to ask you personally, where are you at? Where are you at with healing? Where are you at with deliverance? Where are you at with the prophetic? Where are you at with multiplying food? Where are you at with seeing in the spirit? Where are you at with speaking prophetically? Where are you at with when you go out on the streets, you're literally looking with heaven's eyes, finding where the spirit of God is already at work? Where are you at with that? Because what God is doing is getting us ready for an explosion. Richard Head came and found me and he said uh, what Lou was saying, there's a winter prune where you cut away the dead stuff and then there's a springtime prune which is preparing for fruitfulness. (laughs) And uh, I think on this journey we're getting prepared for fruitfulness. And what this is, is transforming when we gather as a church on Sundays, transforming when we gather midweek in groups, in prayer meetings, at KFC, our midweek stuff. But more importantly than that, it's equipping us for the daily lives that we live. The daily lives where we encounter everyone around us is poorly. Everyone has stuff. Everyone is broken in heart. Everybody is fractured and anxious in the world that we're living in. They might hide it really well, um, particularly in West Sussex, because we're skillful at hiding our sinfulness and our shame. But everybody's longing for more. And we are the carriers and bearers of that. And Jesus is saying to you, will you learn again with me what it's like to live the normal Christian life which we might call the supernatural life. And we're going to go on a journey just over the next couple of months. Uh, And John Wimber said to David Pitches, who said to Bruce Collins, who said to me, (laughs) that the meeting place is the training place for the marketplace. The meeting place is the training place for the marketplace, which means we want blow-up awesome gatherings when we meet together with Jesus at the center. We want that. But we also want that as we go from church carrying living water, that gets deeper and deeper and deeper until it meets stagnant water and transforms it. Now let's turn to this passage. Jesus, in verse 17, is just on a normal day teaching. By this stage, he is in ministry. He's not a carpenter, uh, as we know. But it's a normal incident. He's just in someone's house teaching. And I just want to say that because there's going to be a normal day for you tomorrow at home with the kids or at work or uh, walking the dog. It's going to be a normal day. But the life that God is calling us to step back into is the supernatural life where heaven invades. So one day while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby Now, this is quite interesting because, as we read a week ago, the crowds were gathering, but now we've got bishops, we've got archdeacons, we've got other priests. Everybody's been sent to inspect what is going on. And they're not only coming from the surrounding countryside, every village of Galilee and Judea, they're now coming from headquarters. They're coming from Lambeth Palace. They're coming from Canterbury. They're coming to see what is going on. 
Now, let's just remember, we've got learned people amongst us, and we'll come back to that. Then we've got a very enigmatic phrase. The power of the Lord was with him to heal. And what does that mean? Jesus has already been healing. We had the cleansing of the leper a week ago. We've had like loads of healings already going on. What does it mean that the power of the Lord was with him to heal? It's a strange phrase, and we don't really find much of it again, but I think what this is pointing to is that in certain situations, the Spirit of God sovereignly just charges the atmosphere with particular assignments or things that he is doing. Think about Pentecost. You know, they would just pray, 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 fast, fast, fast for 10 days, and then suddenly God does something. Acts uh, 13, uh, there's a bunch of them, prophets and teachers, praying, fasting. Then suddenly the Holy Spirit does something. And, and I think in this particular situation, the power of the Lord is charging the atmosphere with healing. Now, this says a couple of really important things to us. Number one, it says that not all healing is based on faith. Now, that's an encouragement to us. If any, like, who here is an amazing Christian who's perfect all the time? <laughs> Come on, yeah, Richard, thank you. <laughs> he went... <laughs> Lord, rebuke that man. <laughs> um, now, there's multiple sources in the kingdom for how we release and activate healing. But, but declarations of faith don't always work in every situation. Because sometimes the third person of the Trinity is swirling around with particular assignments. And when we jump into those, it's just like everything releases and everything everything just goes. Everything opens up. Does this make sense? And so as we go about our daily lives, one thing we're tuning into is, Lord, what is going on here? Now, if the atmosphere is completely stony and empty, then sometimes it's faith that opens that up. And I, I could, there's a difference between saying, let's hope after I finish speaking that God does some wonderful things. How do you all feel? It is, it is. I said, when I finish speaking, God's going to blow this place open. It, it, do you know what I mean? Now, that's what we sometimes need to do, even if it's in our hearts, if we're in an empty, stony atmosphere. We're speaking truth, and it's speaking to it. But sometimes it's just like going around our lives, thinking, like, what is going on here? You know, Lord, what are you doing? And when we step into that, it's like heaven backs it, and it, it authorizes it from heaven, and power is released, and away we go. So as Jesus is teaching, it's like the power, the power of the Lord is like plugged in, charging up the atmosphere, and then this happens. Verse 18, some men came in carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. Look at his description. He's not described as a married man. He's not described as a homeless man. He's not described as uh, a white man or a brown man or, a, you know, whatever. He's not described as a rich man, a poor man. He's described as a paralyzed man. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, verse 19. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Now everyone's attention is gripped. So someone lifts out a few roof tiles, parts their, their 
thing. And it was like that at the start, wasn't it? With all the kids and youth in here, we were, like, we were full, weren't we? So you can really imagine a meeting where someone needs to just, I so care about my friend, I just want to get them to the guy who might be able to do something about it. He's at the front, there's lots of tall youth in front of me, so I'm just going to dismantle the roof. Um, and they go up there, they lower him down right in front of Jesus. And you can imagine as a hole appears in the roof, suddenly everybody's like starting to think, what's going on? And he's lowered right in front of Jesus. You know, sometimes there are moments where, particularly if we're open to the supernatural and what God's doing, stuff comes for a demonstration. And Jesus is almost put on trial now. They brought him. He's right in front of everybody. And what's going to happen? Bearing in mind, the only description we've had is of this guy being a paralyzed man. Verse 20. When he, Jesus, saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. He doesn't say, rise and walk. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. So in this, we've got the Holy Spirit charging the atmosphere. We've got now Jesus having someone brought before him, exercising the gift of discernment, because he looks at this guy and says, everybody, everybody else sees his legs not working, but something in Jesus says he needs to know he's forgiven. And so he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Then all the bishops and archdeacons, I, I need to not say that in a sort of pejorative way again. In, I'm just trying to apply it into, our context, into the context of, of this talk. The religious teachers now begin to question, and we'll find out uh, what this is. Who is this who is speaking blasphemies? And they're right to do so because... The Jewish people had elaborate systems for the forgiveness of sin, laid out with the right sacrifices on the right day in the right place, which was the temple, and absolution pronounced by the right person at the right time. So they're right to say, from a legalistic perspective, who is this who is speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Because the outrageous thing is that the priest might pronounce forgiveness, but it's always on behalf of God. And Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. Verse 22, the next supernatural gift Jesus uses. When Jesus perceived their questionings, he answered them, why do you raise such questions in your hearts? So they haven't even been gossiping or murmuring on the back row. Just in their hearts, they're like, oh, who is this? And they've been questioning stuff in their hearts. Who is this who can, you know, who can do this stuff, committing blasphemy? And Jesus senses, presumably through a word of knowledge or, again, discernment perhaps, he senses what's going on. And he's... Now, can you imagine this happening to you? Imagine you're at work. Someone says, can you pray for my friend? And you say, the friend's got a broken arm. And you say, son, your sins are forgiven. And, and, um, and everyone at the back's like, he's got a broken arm. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> sins are forgiven. And, um, uh, and, and they're sort of quite, they're resistant. Can you imagine that? We might be tempted because often we have quite a high propensity to please, please people. 
We might be tempted to dial, down, dial it down. There's a rising tension in the room. Dial it down and just go, yes, well, I can and give a little explanation on why you can forgive sins and what Jesus has done and all of those. And, and then, oh, your broken arm and let's get some bandages out. And, you know, you called the NHS helpline and, you know, let's get some tablets and all of that sort of stuff. And all that. Dial down the tension. What does Jesus do? Jesus escalates it. He whips it up. And he says to them, he goes on the rampage. He says, which, to them who are like questioning and resistant in their hearts, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up and walk? And let me just pause for a minute. We might say, if we were asked that question, it's much easier to say to someone, Jesus forgives your sins. We might say that. And sometimes that's because we've had 500 years since Martin Luther, who brought to the church, you can be justified simply by faith alone. I spoke to someone um, just at the start who needs to get right. By faith alone, you can be made right with God because what that faith does is it act, activates the sacrifice Jesus made for you 2,000 years ago to become your sacrifice before God, and you can be clean. So we might say it's easier to someone, Jesus forgives you. Or when someone confesses something to us, oh, don't worry, God loves you. It's all. And sometimes, maybe, we don't get the gravity about what Jesus is saying here. Because can you imagine someone who has made a mess of their life, who has committed atrocious act after atrocious act? Can you imagine ourselves if we, were, if we said, today, I'm going to show you a reel of Paddy's thought life for the last 30-odd years that he's lived. Or today, I'm going to show you Kim's thought life for the last... Uh, Kim's about 21. 21 years. <laughs> or I'm going to show you... Um, uh, and we watched, and someone watched you and watched me, every single thought, every single deed, every single secret thing, and we watched that. We would just want to hide. And the power of being brought before a righteous judge who could condemn and reject, but instead says, says to us, into those deep, black, filthy places, your sins are forgiven. That is just as powerful as it is to say, right, rise and walk. So Jesus challenges them, and it would have been a challenge for them because of the temple ritual. He, he puts them in a bind, which is easier to say, sin, forgiven, or rise and walk. But so that you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I want to take us to Daniel 7 really, really quickly. And you can read this at your leisure. When he says Son of Man, and this is the very first time Jesus himself has introduced this title. When he said that, every good Jewish boy who would have gone to synagogue would have sort of been reminded of Daniel 7. Now bear in mind, who have we got with us at this encounter? 
we've got the educated, the religious, we've got all the bishops, the archdeacons, the archbishops. They've all come down. And they would know exactly what was at stake when Jesus said, the Son of Man. And in Daniel 7, this is the sort of weirder part of Daniel. Basically, Daniel has uh, just some off-the-charts 18 certificate visions of what's going to happen in the future. This is about 600 years before Jesus. And he sees four demonic, evil kingdoms destroying God's people, afflicting the earth. And the final one, the fourth one, is the worst. And then, in, uh, in verse 9, Daniel sees an incredible vision of God. As I watched, thrones were set in place and an eight, so just enter into this with me for a few moments, Daniel 7. Thrones were set in place as he watched. So he sees this demonic kingdom, carnage going on, and then he sees thrones being set in place, and then he sees the Ancient of Days taking his throne. His clothing was white as snow. Bear in mind, no one's seen God in the Old Covenant. So he sees the Ancient of Days. His clothing was white as snow. The hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, and its wheels were burning with fire. I don't really know how big or wide that throne was, but it had wheels on it. <laughs> and the wheels were burning, and the whole throne was burning. And there's more fire, verse 10. A stream of fire issued and flowed out from his presence. So bear in mind, we've got this like gleaming white ancient of days on the throne amongst multiple thrones. And then the throne's burning, the wheels are burning, and we've got fire coming out from the ancient of days. <laughs> A thousand thousand served him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood attending him. So if, if this isn't enough to show us his royal authority, we have got however many that is. It's like billions of angels. We've got this gleaming white figure thrown on fire, fire coming out, and we've got billions of angels all around. That's what Daniel's seeing right now. And, it, and they have some judgment to do. The court sat in judgment and the books were opened. And I watched them because of the noise of the arrogant words that the horn was speaking. This is the fourth um, demonic kingdom. And as I watched, the beast was put to death and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. Verse 12. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I'll skip in through because that's the boring stuff. Um, <laughs> Verse 13, as I watched in the night visions, I saw one like a son of man. So this is what went through their minds when Jesus says this word. When Jesus says, so that you know the son of man has authority, this is what they're suddenly seeing. Thrones, the throne, fire on throne, white figure, fire coming forth, angels, the court sitting in judgment, the beast being destroyed, and then the son of man comes on clouds up to the throne. That's what they're like, whoa. Uh, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. To him was given dominion and glory and kingship that all the peoples and the nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away. And his kingship is one that shall never be destroyed. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, when we read this passage, because a lot of us have been shaped by 20th century teachers... When we read this, we hear Son of Man on the clouds. We hear this as Jesus' return. 
We hear this is right at the end of the age. We hear this as when Jesus comes back and sets all things right. There'll be no more crisis, no more sadness, no more evil, no more destruction. That's what we hear. But look, the Son of Man is coming on the clouds, but he's not coming to the earth. Have you noticed that? I saw one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. He's not coming down to the earth. He's coming up (laughs) into the throne room of heaven to the ancient of days. The son of man is coming on the clouds to the ancient of days with fire coming from his presence. And then he is given authority and dominion over all the kingdoms. So, when did that happen? That happened, thank you, at the ascension of Christ. Do you remember, he's with a few disciples and he suddenly disappears on a cloud and goes into heaven. We don't see the arrival, but Daniel saw the arrival 600 years before. He goes into amongst billions of angels to the throne of fire, to the ancient of days, and he's given dominion over all things. And it's just a matter of time then for all the other kingdoms on earth to begin to reflect the authority and the dominion of the Son of Man. Now when Jesus, I want to make this point, when Jesus here is ministering, he is stepping into the Son of Man identity and letting everybody know. So he's given authority over nations, so a paralyzed leg is no trouble to Jesus. He's given authority over all things and even over the kingdoms of the world. And then, when he goes to the ascension, he's done what? Sorry, you don't know, but I'm going to tell you. (laughs) What he's done before he ascends into heaven and goes on the clouds into the throne room to receive all the nations, he said, the identity that I've been living amongst you as the Son of Man, but all the nations haven't been fully begun to be brought into alignment, but the authority that I've been stepping into, I'm now giving to whom? To us, to you and us, to you and us, to you and I. So, when someone says, I've got a broken arm, what you need to have in your mind is, when I reach out my hand, I'm in the guy who is before a billion angels, a a thousand thrones, before a throne burning with fire, fire issuing from his presence and being given authority over all the nations. So a broken arm's nothing compared to what we have in Christ. Does this make sense? So therefore the Son of Man can say, so that you know that I have authority on earth, I say to you, he doesn't shout. (laughs) I'm sure he didn't. Stand up, take your bed, and go to your home. And immediately, the guy stands up, took what he'd been lying on, and went to his home, glorifying God. And amazement seized all of them, and they glorified God, and were filled with awe, saying, we've seen strange things today. Now, if you and I are not living supernaturally, we're trying to do life without the kingdom. If you and I are not living supernaturally, we're leaning on our own strength, and that will wear out. But when we live anticipating God 
to be disrupting what's going on around us. And when we live knowing that we exist in the one who is <laughs> before the throne of all thrones, it becomes quite easy, doesn't it? So, I don't quite know what to do. What's that? I feel like at the nine, I showed a video clip of this from The Chosen. And it's so moving because you see Jesus just ministering his love and ministering his power. Do you know what God's heart for us as his church? It's like that old song, more love, more power. And by me mentioning it, it doesn't mean we have to sing it. <laughs> um, but that is like those two things. And we, we often veer one way or the other, don't we? We have a season of getting into God's power and his presence. And we can forget his compassion, his mercy, and his tenderness with people. Or we can try and love people without really any activation of his presence and power. And after after a while, even the most big-hearted amongst us will just get weary. It's more love, more power, and it's awesome. So just search Healing of the Paralyzed Man, the Chosen, because I feel like we just should start. <laughs> I just want to say to, to you all, and I'm going to unfold this more and more and more, will you go on a journey to the heart of Jesus to step back into, or for the first time, into the supernatural. I'm saying that because that's going to require things of you. And we're going to discover that more and more and more. It's good. If, you, if you say you'll do that, I mean, the amount of times we get mocked as a church for being overly enthusiastic and setting people up for a fail and da-da-da-da-da because we actually believe God might do stuff. So it will lead us into mocking and ridicule and the danger of stuff not happening all the time. Listen, we're disciples. Half the time they're tripping over themselves and so are we. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay for it not to work 100% successfully. It's okay. But I think God is going to be restoring that amongst us and like never before, like never before, so will you go for that and open your heart and go on a personal journey? And that personal journey means, Holy Spirit, if you've got any sort of internal tussling with that or, oh, you know, just ask him to help you with it and to lead you through. What's, what's blocking? There may be nothing blocking. If it's like I've got a catalogue of things that haven't happened or, you know, I've been with someone who just not had breakthrough, not had breakthrough, not had breakthrough. It's hard. And do you know what Jesus' compassion is? My child, <laughs> your disappointment, your sorrow, your pain, I'm going to wash it away. But come with me, because we're going to do this. All right? Amen. Now, we've got about 15 minutes before communion. So I kind of feel like anything could happen. If you need to get right with God, would you just stand where you are now? I'd love everybody who 
Just have a sense. There's some people here with, um, you've got some long standing conditions. I just had this sense that there's some, you kind of know, you feel like death is kind of on you. I'm going to pray for you in just a few moments. And I'd also like to pray for any of us here who just have a long-standing heart addiction to condemnation. You just need to know this morning that your sins are forgiven. And then I'd like anybody who just would love to be more activated in the supernatural. I know we all do. I'm just talking about you really feel like not that confident. Really feel like you've got L plates on. So if you're in those three groups, sort of long-standing stuff, feel like death's somehow got hold of you. We don't need to know the details, but you just have that sense. Secondly, condemnation of the heart. Third, if you just feel you've got... Um, serious L plates on in the supernatural if that's you just so I can see how many there are could you just stand now if you're in one of those three categories okay right here's